Welcome to the Abundant Leaders Podcast. I'm Tenji, your host, a certified executive coach and leadership developer with more than a decade of experience advising executives, managers, and companies on how to perform at their peak and find deeper alignment and fulfillment. My dream is for all of us to live in the truth and fullness of who we are so that we can have the biggest lives and most fulfilling careers that are possible for us. It is all possible for us. Together, let us lead ourselves, our people, and our organizations with confidence, courage, and wisdom. This is our time to heal and expand, to thrive, and to lead abundantly. It's a beautiful rainy day in Joburg and I just came off a really stimulating conversation as a panelist on a leadership program for you know future global leaders across Africa. And one of them asked me a really great question, <laughs> which was, how do you move on from something? And they directed the question specifically at me because I'd been speaking quite a bit about some of the personal resiliency that we need so that we can really have great careers. And that question got me thinking a lot because I've had to move on several times in my career. I have moved on from roles that were no longer a good fit for me, companies that didn't feel right to me, and even career paths that were not moving me towards the things that give me meaning. I speak a lot about meaning and alignment and personal alignment to what gives you meaning. And the biggest thing that helps us to move on well is when we move towards alignment. But there are a few other things, right? Um, one of them is the ability to really let go of that pathway and do so in a really positive way. Uh, the second is to then move towards something versus away from something. Changes are more sustainable when we're moving towards them. And, you know, the other piece is taking with you what will serve you where you're going and being able to really see how it carries itself across as an asset to you or as a part of who you are for where you're going. So you know, if I think about the first thing, grief, when we're leaving something behind, an often unspoken emotion that we quite honestly aren't always quite well trained in experiencing and in supporting ourselves in is grief, that deep sense of loss. It's the loss of a dream or the loss of a possibility of what could have been possible in this role, where this role could have taken us, <laughs> what it could have meant for our careers if we had stayed in this role or at this company or working with this particular person, because sometimes we're, we're switching to a different team, 
or a different division in the business and we lose friends, we lose companionship, we lose a level of um, capital, right? Social, intellectual, and I would say leadership capital in the space that we're leaving because relationships were known. A way of delivering and executing was easier. We really understood, we had a lot of institutional knowledge and relational capital that supported us to do well. So in many ways, it felt a lot easier in that role. And we're losing that when we're moving to something different. We also are often losing the dream we once had, spoken or unspoken. And this part, the the dream we once had, is something that I contended with the most when I shifted from a career embedded in corporates to the career I'm in right now as an executive coach where I work outside of companies and purely advise them. And I house myself in my career versus being housed in a company. It was such a, it took me some time to realize that I had had a whole story about what my career would become, what my life would look like, how wealthy I would be if I followed the little path that I had drawn up when I was 18, right? Because we often come up with these things when we're quite young or something happens or we're, we're modeling ourselves after a parent or a role model. And I had the dream and this belief that if I found a really great company to work for and then just flowed through the pathway of that company, I would end up at the pinnacle of whatever that company was because I knew that I'm smart and hardworking and, you know, generally easy to get along with, right? So I knew that I would do well and I'd always done well. So I was like, listen, hun, it's so easy. Here's the path, right? If you want financial success, if you want prestige, if you want um, security, right? Financial, social security, stay in this role, take this path, see it through, and you will end up a CEO or a director or a partner or whatever it may be. For me, those were the things that were options for me. And then I first found myself in investment banking and like I knew, I mean, I went into banking knowing that I didn't like banking, but I could do it. It paid me very well. And it was the kind of thing that someone like me does. I had this idea also of the kind of thing that someone like me does. And I realized that, excuse my French, but that's bullshit because you, we, I formed that idea of what someone like me does when I was like, 19. I didn't even fully know who I was, right? Or have a full view of all the different pathways in the world that could fulfill who I am, right? So one, I had this idea of who I would be and I thought that, okay, um, it is a role in a big company that has prestige, that has influence, and um, I will have peak social standing, self-acceptance, a sense of worth when I become the top of that food chain. And when I'm there, I will have the big house, the nice car. I might be married and have kids or not. Um, I'll be able to travel the world on a whim. I won't have to think about money. I can buy what I want. And 
eat at all the nice restaurants. So I had a vision of what a lifestyle at that level would look like. And I had a vision of what leadership level and the way I would feel, right? I would feel really confident and capable and desired and worthy to a certain extent once I got there. And that was the dream. This story of my personal and and work persona or life that would be the culmination of the pathway I was in. And so when I left JP Morgan, um, I was like, oh shit, okay. Well, how am I going to have that life? <laughs> and so I worked on my own a bit. I did a few other things, um, ran my own interior design business for a while, and then found my way back to McKinsey. I can talk about why I joined McKinsey on another day, but then I'm at McKinsey and I'm like, there was a part of me that was like, oh, okay, we're back on track. <laughs> the dream is still on the table, right? And at McKinsey, I have people to this day who walk up to me and they're like, Tenji, I remember asking you, I remember you telling me that you wanted, you were going to be a partner at McKinsey and you said it was such confidence and self-assurance and it really emboldened me to really lean into my career path at the firm as well. And I was like, oh, that's so nice that I was able to inspire you. But I also found it hilarious because it is truly how I felt when I went to McKinsey. And lo and behold, shock, horror, the goal <laughs> of me to leave as a senior engagement manager just on the cusp of going up for associate partner so basically a role and a half away from partnership level i'm like i don't want to i can't do this anymore i need to leave and i needed to leave for many reasons and i was very aligned and comfortable with why i was leaving but i delayed in leaving because for quite a while I knew I was it, it was no longer the right place for me to be given who I was becoming and the other things I started wanting for my life but if I left I didn't know how I was going to have that storybook outcome if you think about it like a fairy tale like how am I going to get you know, the tiara and the ball gown <laughs> of this career if I'm not at McKinsey because McKinsey was exactly the type of company that it would have meant, that would have made that picture perfect for me, right? And what I really needed to do was grieve. And that's what I was saying at the beginning of this podcast is that when what makes it hard for us to move on when we've outgrown something or it's time to change is sometimes we don't realize that we're grieving or that we need to grieve. And the grieving the story for me personally was the biggest thing I needed to grieve because things like, okay, you know, intellectual capital and social capital, relational capital, institutional capital, all of those things that help us, you know, really succeed. Those are things that we can build in the next role. Obviously the research shows that it is harder. It takes longer for, for um, new hires at leadership positions to really start delivering an ROI for their hire to the company. That's very normal, right? There's this transition. But the, the, that stuff, you can get it, right? You can get it in the next role. But the grief is something that if you don't do, 
it will hijack you in your next role. And um, for me, the, the blessing is that I've been in therapy since I left McKinsey. I actually started working with, in the lead up to me leaving the firm, I was working with an executive coach and it was on that journey that I started seeing that I think it was time for me to move into something different, even though I didn't really know what that was. I then was working with a life coach and then a therapist. And in those spaces, I was able to start framing for myself, um, and especially in therapy, the question of identity and how much I could start seeing how much of my identity I had embedded in being a McKinsey partner one day or a, you know, CXO one day of a certain type of institution and in my mind that was the only way to have the kind of life that I wanted to feel as confident as I wanted to feel about myself and to you know have what felt like a career that was on par with what my father was able to do because I really I really oriented a lot very 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 unconsciously I only realized this maybe in year three of therapy <laughs> after the guy had died right that I had been trying to live up to him, you know, because he just came from nothing. Oh my God, my dad came from nothing and became like everything in Zim and maintained his integrity. And it was just, wow, I, I didn't even know how much I was idolizing him. And so when I left and knew that I needed to leave and, and was in a role that I loved, like I love being the CEO of Kua Performance. I love being an executive coach. It's such a perfect fit for me. But the dream, the path not taken, is one that to this day I actually still contend with. And the, it was important for me to, what helped me with the grief, right? What helped me to process the grief was one, learning that grief isn't something that you can ever run away from. And my father's death taught me that. And that you can survive on the other side of grief because grief is also, it's evidence that we loved something. And sometimes when we're leaving a place or trying to move on, we sometimes start creating stories about that place to help us to stay. And the stories aren't always true, like to help us to, to leave, sorry, not to help us to stay. We're like, if, if I continue to think, and I'm making this very simplistic, right? As an example, if I continue to think that um, McKinsey is an amazing place to work and is such a great fit for my skills and talents and I get to problem solve, I get to do such cool work, I get to work with such great clients, which is how I felt about McKinsey, right, at the time of leaving. If I still feel that way, then in leaving it, I will miss that stuff. And in order to not miss it, I have to say that's, that I don't like that stuff anymore or that stuff doesn't matter to me anymore because other things now matter to me. And that's not true. Like it can both be true that I love how much of a fit to my intellectual talents and my mind that McKinsey is and I need to do something else. And it doesn't support me to have balance, relational balance in my life. Like I had very poor work-life balance 
and was starting to really see the cost of that. I wasn't able, if I hadn't left McKinsey, I wouldn't have been able to spend time with my father before he died. And um, I'll never regret spending time with my dad before he died. And I miss what it felt like to be problem solving with, oh my goodness, like on such interesting topics with such diverse people. Uh, And one, you need to be able to hold that and. So, and in order to do so, you need to not reframe what the past was. I think the second thing that um, I believed that made me not want, that, that made the grieving something challenging in a way was I needed to accept and truly accept that I now wanted different things. So I needed to be able to see that I was changing and the things that I wanted and valued were shifting. Or I was starting to see um, that there was an imbalance that I previously couldn't see or something missing that I previously couldn't see. So in order to be able to grieve, I had to be able to see myself more clearly and understand that while it is true that this pathway, this company was amazing for me, it was also true that it was not enough for me, right? And, And to be able to hold the abundance of both of those things is something that sometimes we really struggle with. Um, the other piece that, you know, <laughs> the other thing that makes grief really hard is that it really demands stillness. Like the ability to sit still without moving and let the grief enter your body, penetrate down to the depths of your heart and tell you this is sore. And you feel the pain of it and you don't try run away from the pain to just sit. Because the thing about grief is that the only way to really leave something behind or, or to really move on is to move through. And grief is a moving through. It is an acknowledging of the deep love you had for the thing. And that's why you're grieving. You don't grieve things you didn't care about. So you need to be able to let yourself have really loved that thing. And then you need to let yourself be losing that thing. And you need to let yourself be feeling a lot of pain while you lose that thing. And you need to let yourself be able to sit in that feeling for as long as it takes. It's a very unknown space because you don't know how long you're going to feel that way for until, you know, you wake up one day and realize, oh my gosh, I haven't been feeling that that heaviness for a while now. And you start realizing, okay, I think I've passed through that grief. Right. So that was something that um, I had to develop the capacity to hold grief. And I invite you to explore how you can expand in this way if it is something that you've often avoided. I mean, many of us aren't really taught this kind of emotional intelligence right because our parents didn't have it and you know we we grow up in environments at boarding school at really capitalist performance oriented organizations that are really all about the positive emotions the grit the resiliency the keep going the survivalist thinking um that actually doesn't help us to learn how to grieve Right. So grief was one big thing. And for me, it's been really the biggest thing. But the thing that I'm also learning is that 
some of those things that the path not taken can still haunt you, right? Um, and it can, and I think the extent to which it haunts us is the extent to which we've done the process of grieving, right? Because I do have moments today. I mean, I left McKinsey two, two years ago now, two years ago. And before leaving, I had even gone off track for about a year and a half, almost two years. I'd gone off track. Um, which means that I, I had moved away from the client service path into a um, firm operations and a, a talent role internally where I was supporting our own consultants um, in, in a talent management capacity. And prior to that, I'd gone on secondment to MassMart for a year. And in those in that period, right, I had already moved away from the pathway of client service consulting that would have taken me to the way that I defined partner, right? And I sometimes see my peers who stayed on that path. And they are all partners or on the cusp of partnership. Uh, it's even worse than investment banking, right? Because I, I left investment banking, then I did a bunch of other things. Then I went back to McKinsey and joined as an associate. And so in terms of linear career pathway, um, my colleagues at who are in investment banking are all MDs now. And I'm like, Tenji, you could have been an MD. Except no, I couldn't have been an MD because I actually didn't really want to be an MD because if I'd wanted to be an MD more than I wanted to be all or do all the other things, I would have stayed and become an MD, right? So I think something really important is letting yourself still have parts of you that long for that and knowing that it's okay that you feel that way and allowing yourself to feel, oh, okay, you know, that feeling is here again. It's okay. You let the feeling pass and you move on so that you don't start undoing the choices you made later down the road, right? Um, the, a big part of grief is acceptance. So accepting what is and no longer holding on to what could have been, right? A big part for me of accepting what was when I was transitioning away from McKinsey was really saying, how is McKinsey really great for me and being aware of the different dimensions that give me meaning um this is both you know my skills and my personality and the way i contribute to the world etc right um my well-being and being able to say okay i can accept that right now mckinsey has done what it needed to do for my career and it's been amazing for me in these ways, but is no longer amazing for me in these other ways. And I can accept that to be true versus denying that it is true. And if you can hold the truth of that, then you can actually say thank you so much, McKinsey, for being all of these wonderful things that I needed at the stage of my career. I'm now ready to move on to the next thing, right? So really taking inventory of the blessings and the gifts of that experience so that you can really take those with you, but also with a very kind of clinical mind, itemizing the things that are out of alignment or, or that are no longer serving you or can no longer take you to where you'd like to go or are pulling you out of alignment with who you'd like to be now or who you are so that you can take both with you, right? Because 
ideally when you're moving on you're moving not just away from something but you're moving towards something else and i shouldn't say ideally in every case whether it's conscious or not whenever you move away from something you're turning towards something else and it's in this the turning piece that we have to gather stock of what was positives and negatives and shift and look at what could now be for us positives and negatives right and now as we're shifting looking at i shouldn't say positives and negatives it will be negatives though but what is opening up to me and what is now closing off for me by taking by making this choice because when we can see what was opened up for us but what was closed off and we know that we're moving towards something that opens up more of the aspects that were closed off by your previous opportunity you're now moving towards abundance you're moving towards more even if you know that this new path is going to close off other things that you did have before what you need to be aware of is that you have a hierarchy of fulfillment right across our sources of meaning different things contribute differently to what makes us feel abundant as an individual we may need to be spending a lot more of our time usually when we're shifting it's because there is a change in how much in the mix of what gives us meaning so maybe we want a little bit more relational time with our families and that's why we're leaving so in my case that's what it was right um i was opening up the ability or the potential to play a different role in my family than i had in the past more involved more present and available more capacity to do the work i was doing in therapy to heal some of my childhood trauma so that i could forgive my dad before he died i didn't know he was dying right i just wanted to forgive him so that i could just have a better relationship with him and possibly move into something that could feel more abundant in my relationship with him thank god i did that cuz he ended up dying right um ultimately i was trying to open up something new for myself by closing off something old that is what made the change sustainable so even in days to like that come up where i meet up with a friend who's still at mckinsey and i'm like oh man i just love this career for you oh wow all the handbags all the island vacations and etc the travel i miss that but i don't miss all the things i left it behind for right so I'm, i i now because i have the snapshot when these moments come the snapshot comes up i pull it up and look at it and i can see oh these were the things that were open for me with mckinsey but these were all the things that were closed for me and this is why i moved on from it right and so the big thing is to be moving towards abundance and when we're moving towards abundance we're moving towards something that is more of ourselves we're moving towards a life that can give us more than we have had before we're constantly in evolution constantly in motion as people and whether or not we realize it we are always growing and always changing and always choosing right and what we always want to try and do is to choose in the direction of light and away from fear right we don't want to be choosing things in fear because that's not a sustainable emotion fear will keep you in a chokehold until you wake up gasping for air and realize you've created something 
out of a completely survivalist response. Your nervous system made all the choices for you in your life and none of the abundance in you, the abundance of your spirit, the abundance of your heart, curiosity, sense of adventure, desire to help and give back. All of these positive vibrational emotions and urges and aspects of our character and values, right, are the things we want to make new decisions using, right? We want to make decisions through those emotions. We don't want to make decisions through insecurity, fear, dejection, rejection, um, uh, feelings of entitlement, right? All of these things that are often actually just rejection, uh, reactionary emotions. At the heart of them, sometimes there's work that we need to do personally, right? So that we can actually process through the negative emotion and can move on. We may still need to be moving on from that thing, but now we can move on from it through a positive pathway, right? Through a positive impulse, through a positive conscious choice and not through a reactionary impulse. And so, you know, one of the things that I've been really, really trying to do is make sustainable choices. And the best way I found to move on is to say, who, who do I want to be? Or who am I that I want to live in more, right? What aspects of me do I want to live in more? What aspects of me do I want to have more of? What parts of the world or what aspects of living and life do I want to taste more of, touch more of, put more of in my mouth, right? And when we make those choices, then we lean into and, and can make unconventional choices, right? That's why for me, when you look at my career, it's had, you know, twists and turns. And I love that it's had that because I've experienced so much. I've always been moving towards light and curiosity. Sometimes I've left in pain, right? Like I left JP Morgan in a lot of pain. That was a very reactionary departure. I was, it was my first role, my first job in my, in my career. And I learned a lot from leaving that way. I wouldn't leave that way again. I would leave in a way that was more abundant and a bit more settled and a bit more thoughtful. But then I was just, my house was burning down and I needed to get out of the burning house. And sometimes we need to do that, right? And I'm not saying that because sometimes you don't have the choice. You, you, you're released from a role or family circumstances blow up and you just have to make a choice and you're not ready, right? That happens sometimes, right? But this process of then stepping back so that you can evaluate and, you know, hold that in abundance, the reason you left, will enable you to move in abundance towards where you'd like to go. And I think the big thing that really, really matters in all of this is to, like, retain yourself as you go, right? When, when we're moving on from something, sometimes people will say things about us. Um, we may feel insecure because we were in a place that wasn't in alignment with our skills and talents. So we maybe didn't perform as well as we could have in that role. Or possibly we didn't feel as capable. Even though we performed well, we felt like imposters in the role. Or even though we, we performed well, we didn't really fit and it didn't feel comfortable against our skin. So we felt this kind of pressure or maybe we distanced 
parts of ourselves or separated parts of ourselves away from our job so that we could keep the job. Like if you're an outspoken, boisterous person, but you're in a very sedate, tempered environment, you've had to self-edit to fit into the culture, to fit into the performance dynamic, to fit into, you know, the way that professionals <laughs> perform, right, and present in order to communicate and convey gravitas, right? You may have said, well, I can't have gravitas and be jokey and playful. And so there's these parts of yourself, your personality, maybe sometimes the things you value, right? If you're in a cutthroat environment and you're like, okay, I need to stop being so sensitive to how other people feel when I win the deal over them. But that's a fundamental part of who you are. You might have relegated that away. And so when we're, when we're leaving a place for whatever reasons, it's also quite helpful to, to explore how we can pull with us, right? the abundance of ourselves and, and, and carry it on with us where we're going, right? And to be able to say in this role, how would I like to show up you know, for, in this new company or with this new client or on this new project, right? How would I like to show up in a way that feels a bit more expansive and looser and abundant for me? So that it is a growth move and not a, you know, re repressed move or a decline or a stagnation right especially if you're moving on because a place doesn't fit well I really encourage you to maybe work with a career coach I'm a career coach but I'm not saying that I need to be your career coach <laughs> but work with someone who can help you to really think through how do you want this new place to feel you know how, how what do you want this to have that the other place didn't have? And who do you need to be so that you can have those things? And what parts of you do you need to find again or develop capacity in so that you can have the things you want in your new role? Do you need to develop capacity in speaking your mind? Okay, go and, and like work on your confidence. You can work with a therapist, work with a coach, build up your confidence so that you can come and like actually hold the stage and be able to tolerate the visibility of a bigger role or to be able to give yourself the permission to move the way you want to move in this new role, right? So we need to try and make sure that we're also um, repairing the things that brought us to a level of intolerance in the previous role. And when I say intolerance, let me be clear. If there are things that pushed you to the edge of that role, in that role, and that edge is what made you leave that role or that situation or company, then you need to ensure that the same conditions don't repeat themselves where you're going, <laughs> right? So if you didn't have confidence, didn't speak up, ended up losing your, your voice, feeling repressed, feeling constrained, and you leaving was the pressure built too much and you broke it and you were like breaking free. Oh my God, I can't be silenced anymore but you haven't done the work on yourself to make sure that you don't give away your voice again, you're gonna go into your new role and give away your voice and the pressure will build and mount and bring you to the edge and you'll break free and leave a perfectly amazing role for you because you didn't do the work on yourself. So that's the last piece is that you wanna try and take the positive aspects of yourself with you and do the work that you need so that more of you can show up more abundantly in the role that you're trying to go into. The other aspect of not burning the house down and really taking the things with you is, you know, 
a new role can be challenging because new things change is really hard for our brains. Our brains do everything in in their power to create consistency, predictability, stability, foundation um, for us, right? That is our brain's safety wiring. This is how we succeed and continue to mutate and advance is enough things stay the same long enough that we can survive, right? So to support your brain and your brain's helpful companion, the nervous system, when you're moving into a new role, it's really helpful to take a new role or or situation is to take as much similarity across with you as you can. So if it's going to be a similar sector or a similar type of people or a similar culture in the organization or a similar team operating model or team structure or a similar subject area, a similar role or level in the organization, right? Maintain the relationships you have where you're coming from that are positive and the connections and um, any sort of resources that supported you in your role there. Try carry as much of that across with you so that you have a foundation of stability on which to now go and create, right? We're able to be most creative and think as think most freely outside the box take risks, try different things when we feel safe at home. So it's always really helpful when you're moving on to think about how you can create a place of safety and foundation where you're going so that you're more likely to stick. Because what your brain will do is if your brain is looking at your previous opportunity to the left over here and it's like, oh, this is what we were doing. It felt so comfortable. It felt so easy. It was light. I could flow. Even if it was painful, it was a pain I knew (laughs) and I knew how to navigate. It was a system I understood. Your brain will create a lot of resistance to you leaving. And what you need to do is tell your brain, hey, brain, look to the right at the new opportunity. Can I show you <laughs> all of these things that are the same as the previous role? There's this and this and this and this. Look, brain, it's still going to feel safer because of this and this. And for the things that are very new, this is how I'm going to try and make it a bit easier for me to do. Then your brain can say, okay, we're not going to go die there. Because your brain feels very threatened by new environments because it doesn't know on a very pure survivalist um, physiological level, right? It doesn't know if there's pathogens there or cliffs that it can't see or manholes you can fall into. It doesn't know that terrain. So you're more likely to die in that new terrain than you ever were if you stayed in the old terrain that you have now mastered. So you really need to try and support your nervous system which is, you know, working with your brain to say, hey, nervous system, here's how you're still going to be safe in the new role. Because if you can establish safety, then your brain will be more willing to go with you where you're going. Things like the feeling of missing the old place, things like feeling regret that you made the the wrong choice, things like behaving in the same way you did before in order to create that safety again, will be less likely to happen. So those are some of the things that are just on my mind following this conversation that I had. And I'm just curious about, you know, what this is bringing up for you. You know, for us as leaders, we're constantly going to have to encounter making 
choices about our career. If we want our careers to really look like us, if we want them to take us into growth, we are going to have to inevitably keep saying goodbye. Keep saying goodbye to what is known, what is familiar, sometimes what has worked. Sometimes it is being able to accept what is not working and cut your losses early enough, call the sunk cost and move on so that you can have something better. And this is a powerful way to help you to be able to be agile and adaptable at the choice point of to stay or not to stay and to support yourself as you move on. As I was saying that, I was also thinking about how when we are in a role and there's a project that we need to move on from because sometimes the project just isn't working or the company is moving in a different direction now and we need to re-pivot how we're going to contribute value to the company, right? And not get stuck in a part of the business that is no longer where new growth is going to come from, right? Because maybe a, a technology is becoming redundant or a customer segment is shifting significantly, we can become irrelevant in our own careers or we can lose the company a lot of money if we're holding on to things that we need to move on from. So think about this also in the context of being dynamic and adaptable and nimble even within your current role as a leader. Your ability to do this is the extent to which you're going to be able to keep moving yourself towards what will bring increasing value to your life to your organization, to your family, to your community. This is how you grow. This is how you move into more abundance, step by step, experience by experience in your career. All right. I hope that this has been insightful for you and let me know. Thank you for listening and see you in the next one. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope it's inspired you to take action that brings you closer to leading as the truest version of your abundant self. If you enjoyed this episode, please would you consider leaving a five-star rating and following the podcast. It really helps other people like you to find me and benefit from this free leadership resource. Yours in abundance. Until next time.